You are an explorer and you represent our species. And the greatest good you can do is to bring back a new idea because our world is endangered by the absence of good ideas. Our world is in crisis because of the absence of consciousness. Terrence McKenna. This is the fourth weigh-in, and I am as excited as a post-bath dog to be able to bring you today's conversation with the one and the only Sean McCormick. Sean is an explorer who is returning consciousness to our world. As a life coach and entrepreneur, he is helping people to find meaning in the work that they do and the life that they are living. Today, Sean is best known for starting Float Seattle, where he is leading the renaissance of sensory deprivation tank therapy. You know, those tanks where you go in, you can't see anything, and you always hear people have these trippy, amazing experiences or massively zenful experiences post-float. This conversation, I mean, get ready for an auditory journey. For our pre-dive check, we start with coffee and his morning routine. Then we jump into the depths, exploring his current work with artificial intelligence and the shadow self at self-emergence. And we discuss my own experience with sleep paralysis and the cultural relation to alien abductions. Then Sean takes us through his shamanic experiences. We discuss his astral projection and meditation practices, the importance of sleep, and what is happening in the sleeping realm, and how to unplug in a quickening world where disconnection from self and what's important is common, and so much more. And while you're listening, feel free to give Sean a shout on Twitter at Sean Evolver. That's S-E-A-N-Y-V-O-L-V-E-R. And you can also follow along with the show notes at teamaway.com slash Sean. And that's Sean, S-E-A-N. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, puppies and kittens, without further ado, let's weigh in. So, this is coffee number two. I'm up at six on the nose every single day, so it's right time to... For coffee number two. And I did bring my Kerrygold unsalted grass-fed butter. And not only did you bring that, you brought something to cut it with. That's right. And stir your coffee with. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. What is the tool that you're using? This is a uh, foamer from Ikea. It's like three bones. And this is like the portable, the, the portable butter coffee thing I do I have a blend tech that I blend it properly mm-hmm. at home but when I'm I don't like I don't really travel with this stuff but it was just fun because we were headed here but it does the trick it just basically just emulsifies the grass-fed butter and the MCT oil just enough to like break it down this is MCT oil with something else or is it just MCT oil it's just oil? MCT oil uh, it's from on it it's good stuff. It's really good stuff. Uh, I I try to eat ketogenically, um, although I don't. I've I've never tested whether or not I am in ketosis. Are you familiar with this mm-hmm. whole? Yeah, I've never really tested. Foolishly, like rule one of biohacking is test, and I, for whatever reason, haven't. But I eat high fat, low carb, moderate protein, and so like I'm doing. MCT oil and macadamia nuts all day and avocados and stuff. Do you remember a time, do you remember what it was like before you started doing this? Yeah. And how you felt? Yeah, for sure. Well, I, you know, with, with, with the myriad 
projects and businesses that I participate in. Like I, I have to be able to go to be effective all day, mm-hmm. essentially. And with uh, two small children, that's really challenging. And so I switched to eating ketogenically and high fat, and found that my endurance and my able to my ability to focus, along with like I, um, I don't eat until like two o'clock every day. So. I can be really on point mentally and physically for like the first half of the day. I crash a little bit after I eat at two, but then by three or four, I can go for another, you know, four or five hours and be effective. And when I was eating, waking up every morning, I used to eat like the slow carb, the Tim Ferriss slow carb. So it was like beans, eggs, kale every morning. Mm -hmm. And I found that that was just, it was just too much food. It's food that I didn't need in the morning. So... I switched and now, now it's I'm just always tweaking. I've also got you know a dozen pills in my body already. <laughs> a dozen, a dozen pills. Yeah. So what's your baker's dozen look like? So I do. <laughs> uh, and this changes from day to day, but um, I have uh, Siltep, which is a nootropic for focus, memory, uh, mental clarity. I have high doses of vitamin C. D3, krill oil. I take one magnesium in the morning. I took do- a dopamine brain food. And I think that's it for today. And then later in the afternoon, I'll probably take a little bit more dopamine because I've got a long day today. And then in the evening time, I'll either do serotonin brain food or 5-HTP and yeah. What's 5-HTP? 5-HTP is, um, it's a mood enhancer. It's, it's um, I don't really know much about the technical description of it, but but it's a do- uh, on it makes a product called New Mood, um, and it really so the f- the five HTP product is like perfect for hangovers and long festival weekends. Like if you need to replenish some of your you know serotonin in your brain, like the five HTP helps helps you feel human again <laughs> when you don't feel so human when you've been detached from your physical body right <laughs> lost in the trance yeah I mean, at, the, at the most basic level I did the same switch slow carb diet uh-huh. which helped me to eat I had this like, vegetarian test phase where I was living in the midwest and it was just meat and potatoes diet everywhere finding a healthy diet after college was was the most difficult thing to do. Yeah. Transitioning from the most progressive place in Ohio, in Athens, Ohio University, to the farm country, mm-hmm. <laughs> where it's Applebee's and let's find a way to put bacon in every single oh. piece of food that we can find. Yeah. Even the water had bacon. So, <laughs> so I, I went to vegetarian and then I found slow carb diet. I lost way too much weight. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing. Then the slow carb diet helped me to eat, and then I was eating all the time. Uh And then this, just that coffee hack in the morning, adding grass-fed butter and MCT oil to my coffee, and just having that, no cravings, on fire for two to four hours, just lit (laughs) and getting after it. And no cravings at at least for four to six hours. Yeah. Uh, as long as I'm not working out, it's, it's been I've been stuck with it for the like, it's been six months consistently. So when do you first least. eat? 
was your first meal? It's a late lunch, around 2 p.m. So around the 7 o'clock hour, I'll have the coffee, and then I may have some, might do a little snack in between. Yeah. Uh, whether that's eggs and sweet potatoes or, or another coffee. Yeah. Around lunchtime. And yeah, I, I haven't really, it's just totally with feeling. It depends yeah. on whether or not I'm working out how much food. Because I've tried the the intermittent fasting and uh-huh. then played soccer yeah. and then came home and was really pissed off and hangry. Uh-huh. And yeah, so I need to be mindful of that well, sort of thing. And you're a pretty lean guy too. And so you, you, I don't know how your body functions, but you may need a little bit more because you may just get real scrawny if you don't. Yeah. You feel it up. I double up on the butter yeah. and the oils yeah. in the morning. Right. It's like so, four tablespoon block. Really? Yeah. Seriously? Four tablespoons? <laughs> yeah. Good for you. Not every, if I know I'm going hard that day, it's four tablespoons. Wow. Yeah. That's, that, I think mine's probably Coconut oil. Much. Yeah. Uh, it's a fatty block. Yeah. Yeah. Do, um, <laughs> do you find that... Um, do you sort of yeah it sounds like you sort of tailor your intake of food and stuff based on what you're doing that mm-hmm. day and what mm-hmm. you're look, looking forward to are mm-hmm. there any do you have like a cheat day I don't really yeah. no not anymore yeah. I used to go hard on cheat days and slow carb diet but even then my cheat was I'm going to have a veggie burger with sweet potato fries oh really right? that was my cheat it was never or ice cream every once in a while mm-hmm. now it's all I'll have a a cheat every so often, but it's not anything that I crave. Uh-huh. I think I've effectively eliminated any massive cravings for cheat meals. Yeah. Uh, I, my diet right now, there's it's no dairy, uh, no alcohol, no fap, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no dairy, no alcohol, no fap, and just being in getting rid of dairy. Yeah, is not that I was eating a lot of cheese before, but being mindful of where dairy is helps to eliminate sugar. Yeah, it's like right. A, an associated byproduct of eliminating dairy. Well, and you yeah. get to a point where, except for grass-fed butter, by the way, I know I'm eating right. lots of butter in the morning. Right. Well, and you get, you get your body. You get to a point where you know how your body reacts, and you 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 build up sort of a tolerance, and you're more. You know, I found that you're more sensitive. Like my sister-in-law, like she'll look at a biscuit, and her feet itch. Like she's so <laughs> sensitive to gluten that she's she's just on a like goodness, just crazy sensitivity. And I've gotten to be that way a little bit. Um, I just, you know, like this form, this way of eating, this 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 sort of discipline you know it's it just works it just makes me feel really great I so I did my blood work to get uh, life insurance uh, recently and everything was like right in the middle of where it should have been but my cholesterol levels were were like massive mm. and I was like whoa I mean they were I don't remember the actual number but they were like a good 20 points higher than than what mm. the sort of suggested range is and it just so happened that that same day I got my blood work back, I listened to a podcast about, um, about cholesterol and how cholesterol was a manufactured, like Lipitor. Lipitor is a, is a pharmaceutical that you take to reduce your cholesterol. And the, the sort of low fat, high corn, subsidized 
propaganda of it's bad to have cholesterol, high cholesterol is a killer. It's like, well, it's not really. And you need it for your brain to function. And, uh, and so I started to dork out on cholesterol and what it is and how it is and how it affects you. And um, then I was, I, if I'd have looked at the cholesterol levels with a, with a conventional sort of Western medicine doctor, he'd be like, you need to overhaul your whole mm. life. And it's nice to know that I know a little bit more than he does. Yeah, and as guys, we need cholesterol to create testosterone, right? Mm-hmm. Which, while we're sleeping, testosterone is created. We need cholesterol, which we need fats to create, for cholesterol to create testosterone to be men. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's important. So we're not angry vegans. Right. <laughs> that's right. Sweet, man. Yeah. Well, good start. Good start. <laughs> so anyway. Welcome. <laughs> well, thanks for. Thanks I'm for glad we can me. finally connect like this, man. Me too. Yeah, out of our outside of the tribal gatherings right. that we attend right. once per month. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, Sean, for people who don't know Sean McCormick, the question: What do you do? How yeah. do you how do you feel that question? So, I'm probably I'm probably best known currently as the float guy. You know, um, owning owning sensory deprivation tank centers is certainly my most notable um, career uh, characteristic. Um, I consider myself an entrepreneur because I've you know I've dabbled into other things and um, run a couple have a couple other businesses. So I own float centers. Uh, I sell an ebook on it's called how to how to start a float center dot com. Um, I am a certified life coach and as well as that I'm also um, working with a startup out of San Francisco currently Um, it's relatively new and I'm doing sort of a sales and um, training facilitator role sort of dual role and yeah so that's that's what I do that's what I do how that looks is short periods of highly focused work at a standing desk in my back pantry and meetings like this meetings with um, people who either want to be coached so the coaching coaching is mostly done in, in my office via Skype but I also do do a fair number in person um, and aside from the coaching and the float center uh, stuff uh, it's developing this 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 startup and making making the sales viable. So the startup company is called Self Emergence and it is a life, uh, it is not a life. It is a, uh, it's a corporate training system. So it's corporate coaching and the word corporate also makes my skin crawl. You, I don't know if that was a smile or a grimace, but we- I agree. Yeah. <laughs> this is a, it's just, there's just no other thing to call it, you know? Um, it, it, it is what it is and it's a two-part training system that involves the use of an app um, in which you interface with this app and you go through prompted uh, selfie videos that you make for yourself and you follow the prompts to really be hard on yourself and then you work to exchange that self-limiting mental chatter with empowering mental chatter 
So it sounds like, so you're recording yourself speaking yes. and saying things so that you can see what you look like when you say you're, these prompts and then you're yeah. watching yourself so that it's easier to reframe exactly the mentality or what you're saying yes wow so the this the it's based it's based largely on Jungian uh, philosophy um, regarding the shadow self so using the darkest parts of yourself and alchemizing those into something that will be productive identifying like why do you think that you're useless like where does that come up where does that come from how can we use that to empower you and to grow you. And then the work that's done individually via this app is then um, worked on in a peer setting in a conference room at, uh, at a business. And so um, there's some businesses that we're working with currently uh, and it's a 10 person facilitated training. So I would both sell this app into um, a company like um, Simply Measured or you know, tech is really kind of the target, medium, small to medium sized tech companies, and grow their culture and grow how they support each other. So everybody's sitting around a table and everybody did work on this app and everybody's identified where their shortcomings are and why they're hard on themselves. And then it's building up this structure so that they support each other, they feed off each other and grow. So it's, it's coaching, it's aligned nicely with, with where I'm at now. And I think it has the, I think, I really think it has the potential to be hugely beneficial for people who are looking for meaning in their, in the work that they do. And yeah, it's really exciting. What do you want, what do some of those prompts look like? Well, um, one of them is a feeling, it's called feeling small. And you, you basically talk to yourself, you be hard on yourself. So it will be prompt by David Lesser, who is the, the brain behind this. He's been doing um, executive coaching for 25 years, and he's really good, really smart, um, British guy. Um, and he does the voice work, and he'll say, okay, now think of the ways that you limit yourself. Express those in your clearest way possible. Mm -hmm really get into character why you are self-limiting explain to yourself why you cannot do what you want to do and then you go and then you record this thing and then you reflect on it yeah. <laughs> as as coaches a lot of times we're a mirror for people right a coach is a mirror for someone it can be a lot of times so what better mirror than yourself right that's yeah. Is even just going through and recording, let's say, podcast interviews and listening to my voice and hearing my own ticks or when I'm fumbling through a question or the ums and ahs and hearing that when I go back through a recording, man, what the hell? Right. Like, just stick with the question, man. Just <laughs> let it be. I just think of myself going, Timo, you are such a weak coward. Right. You are so weak that a real smack in the face well and that's that we mm. can't deny that portion mm -hmm. of ourselves right. like there can be no light without the darkness exactly we can't just brush that under the rug we have to identify it mm -hmm. and we have to work with it and this is this is a way for you to do that in your life and in your career but it's it's you it's not 
it's not self-prompted. It's not, it's not prompted with a coach in front of you asking you questions, prodding questions to dig down about why you think you're useless. Mm-hmm. This is you tell me why right now. Mm-hmm. And then consider, you know, consider how we can change that. So it's, it's, uh, it's, seven, it's seven sessions. Each session takes about 15 minutes and it's broken up over seven weeks and then um, expounded upon in a facilitated setting. Wow, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to try this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want. I, I. I. think you should try it, and I think that it should be as part of. Um, do I want you to do it right? So before you go in and download it and, and start digging in on it, I want you to do it so that you set up with a peer group because that's mm-hmm. where the real growth happens, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you sort of support each other and help each other grow. Yeah, it's a like self, uh, self, guided therapy in a sense. I mean, I think of like I think of Headspace and how this could be a great partner to a meditation practice and then my mind was also going to immersing yourself in self and wow how would this look in a virtual reality environment so (laughs) let me throw this at you of course there's a there's another layer and this layer is ai so if we can learn how we grow as people if we can learn how we change and grow from self-limiting, self-deprecating, to empowering, to um, confidence, then we will learn a lot about how people grow. And when we know how people grow, when we can get a large enough sample size to know, like, find the sort of points and the commonalities between how people grow, how they change the way they think about themselves, that can be applied to AI. So eventually, you know, however AI looks, I don't know how it's gonna look in 10, 15 years, but if we know how to develop people, how to grow people, then we can teach, grow people to be, um, maybe not altruistic, benevolent, but supportive, embodied, and authentic, then maybe we can do the same for AI. And this was all part of the original plan for this app was to grow this to a size where we can extrapolate that and apply it to AI. Got it. In, in the, a, the vision for AI and the AI in this context is in, our, in artificial intelligence, human-like artificial intelligence, or sort of an AI, a program that does... I think that remains to be seen. Gotcha. I think that remains to be seen, whether it's, you know, a... Um, a cognified robot or... Right. Whether it's Max Hedrum, um, you get the reference? Yeah. Whether it's Max Hedrum or... Am I saying the last name right? Is it Hedrum or Hedro? It, mm, we'll go with Hedrum. Okay. Whether it's whether it's a... As, as a humanoid... Android mm-hmm. robot mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. or some sort of program that nice catch. whether it's a whether it's a, a physical robot that's that's made to look like human or a program that is used in some other aspect we want that we want that artificial intelligence to be as as human as possible but we want this human to learn how it can grow itself and become 
the best it can be. Benevolent. Benevolent. It's coming, <laughs> right? Like it's coming. Right. Yeah. It's inevitable. Right. In some sense, it's just what do we do once it's here? And we can't we can resist VR and and AUG and we can resist AI, but it's here. Right. We're, I think we're on day one, hour one, really. Yeah. So it sounds like getting as much data as possible. Just saw Kevin Kelly. You know Kevin Kelly? I don't think so. He's the one of the founders of Wired Magazine. Oh, yeah. And he just launched a book called The Inevitable. Oh, and right. he was at Town Hall Seattle two days ago. Okay. Sunday. I think I saw it on Twitter. He was here on Sunday. Uh-huh. And during his talk, he, he talked about AI and he talked about cognifying. That, so one of the... Um, one of the cognification trends, he was, he was going to predict that Google in 10 years will become an AI exclusive company, that AI will become a commodity. So right now we can actually go on, Google is selling AI to make it's either X amount of decisions cost 60 cents or something hmm. like that. So you can, you can ask an AI, hey, identify the white skirts and all, the, all these image searches and give me a results feed on that. So okay, every thousand times I find one that costs 60 cents. Wow, okay. And so in the next 10 years, and because Google and Microsoft, Amazon, have such massive amounts of data, yeah. and that's what, the, the comparison being, we have millions and millions of rows of data, well, it, Google does, to create their AIs versus, let's say an infant, a human infant takes 12 tries to identify this is a dog and this is a cat. Hmm. It takes 12 examples, 12 or less examples to figure that out. Where Versus AI today is millions of this is a dog and this is a cat. This is a dog. If you follow me, yeah. follow my drift. So the companies that have the most data points, right. Google, Apple, are the ones that are, are really churning up the AI. Facebook, I should throw out Facebook as right. well. So in this example, I like that right away you guys have a benevolent purpose behind the yeah. AI to create a... <laughs> because there is a dark layer to the internet, yeah. there's a dark layer to everything, we're skating this surface, and you know, we have the deep web, there, a lot of things come out of the internet. Yeah. Every part of humanity is represented there, yeah. we, whether or not we see it or... And because of the anonymity of the internet, it's easy to be an asshole. And like, mm. that's not really AI. That's sort of a side point, I guess. But yeah. But it could be AI. But it could be AI. You're right. Depending well, on how it grows. And what was the Microsoft AI that, that did a Twitter account? Was oh, racist. Or Tay? Tay. That was, was Tay. Racist and bigoted. Within 24 hours. Like, oh man. And it was what? Targeted at like teenagers. Millennials. Or Millennials. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Uh, Tay tweets. Oof. Oof. Yeah. It was like if South Park were to make an uh, AI it Twitter was, account. It was, wasn't it? Did you read through some of the... Some oh, of, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I was having a ball. So, like, that's an excellent, <laughs> that's an excellent example. Like, if Tay, if Tay had a way to grow quickly into an, an accepting, growth-based, confident thing that's, that wants to help people instead of, you know... Don't ask Tay about guns because Tay is gonna have some some sketchy ideas. Well, maybe in two seconds, Tay goes from, you know, from one view on guns to something else that's that's more evolved, right? Yeah, if you can figure out how to get somebody to their 
true self or how to get to the light side of themselves, get through the dark part as quickly, acknowledge the darkness, so to speak, yeah. get to the light and apply that and drop that piece of programming, yeah. seed of programming into an AI. Right. And AI sure working with other AI. To steer the course. Right. To grow. Fascinating. To grow into something that's, that's again, benevolent, maybe not be the right word, but just more self-realized, more... Um, more empowered, you know, more growth-minded instead of, you know, mm. stagnant and judgmental and dark the, and weird. The darkest traits of humanity. Yeah, <laughs> right. The guy that cuts you off in the parking lot. Yeah. Damn you, autonomous vehicle. <laughs> Every right. time. Oh, man. Always parking in the handicapped yeah. spot. You don't even have a pass. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's the darkest side. Oh no! Right, <laughs> being a jerk for a minute because you got to go in and buy a pack of gum versus like destroying planets. <laughs> I have the access to the Triton nuclear submarines. Yeah, it's mine. Yeah, I control oh. Harp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, I'm rewinding back to everybody's favorite topic, flotation. Yeah. And where did you first encounter? float tank or sensory deprivation tank i i first read about it well actually it goes way way back so back when um when i was a kid we watched a lot of movies who doesn't i remember distinctly the cover of altered states mm. william hurt film from 1983 so when i was five years old or so it was still sort of relevant cult classic have you seen it i have not no. what no. man we should watch it together sure I won't, I won't, basically a researcher uh, goes into, uh, goes into his floating practice, you know, takes, takes some psychedelics and basically stuff gets weird. The cover of this, the, the cover of this, of, of the movie, of the VHS tape, um, was, is somebody who's like upside down. William Hurt is upside down. He's got electrodes like on his face and it's like, it's like black and like reddish really trippy and I remember that I remember being really freaked out by that when I was a kid never hadn't seen the movie I think I saw it in my teens um, on uh, Annie or something like that or TNT mm -hmm. um, and now you know as I reflect back that was the first time that I I didn't have any idea what that movie was about but I remember it so I meditated since I was a kid and have gone through different versions of meditation from Zazen to TM to um, you know, mindfulness and um, wanted to take it a little bit deeper. And that's, you know, my interest in cannabis and psychedelics and entheogens and those sorts of things are sort of go hand in hand with this. And in, I think it was 2005 or 2006, on my lunch break from my corporate gig, I went and floated at some guy's house, a yoga instructor's house in Bellevue. And back then, that was the only place that you could float in Seattle was this guy on Craigslist. <laughs> yeah. Wow. There were float centers in the 70s and 80s. And mm -hmm. As early as the early 90s, there was one right by Canlis on the Aurora, Aurora mm -hmm. Bridge. There was one in Pike Place Market. There were, one of them was called Float to Relax. And then they went away for whatever reason. And then this was the only place that you could do it. So I did it and I, I, had, I had an out-of-body experience in my first float in Brian Bale's basement and he like saw me naked I floated in his or I, you know showered in his bathroom down the hall walked down the hall dripping wet you know 
D out and he's like, here you go. This is what, you know, this is how you do it. This is what you do. And I got in and very, very quickly, I popped out of my body and was in his basement looking around and that changed, that changed everything. I'd had out of body experiences um, involuntarily in meditation before. Um, and so this was, this was, this was way more vivid and lasted longer. And I thought, well, okay, there's definitely something here. Mm. So I um, filed that away for a little bit and went, put my tie back on and went back to selling advertising. And it just felt different. I felt different. The way that I saw reality felt different. And I'm like sitting at my cubicle after this transcendent experience thinking, what am I doing here? What on earth? am I doing here in slacks and a tie selling advertising? Not to knock sales or advertising, like that's the way the world works, but it just wasn't right for me. And it wasn't until probably four or five years later that I started to really think about it and do some research on it and look at the other float centers around the world. And then, um, and then in 2011, um, quit my job saved up some cash, bootstrapped a business, and opened Float Seattle in Green Lake um, with my wife and a friend. And yeah, kept going, kept chugging from there. Now we have two locations of downtown Bellevue. Um, yeah, it's, and it's taking off. It's taking off because in the old, the sort of old guard of float center operators, just hippies, they're slightly unorganized and couldn't, didn't under, didn't really have a great grasp of branding, maybe didn't have a great grasp of uh, how to run a business effectively, were unorganized and, and I had never run a business either, but I just learned on the fly and kept really focused on sort of our core values, what are we about, and have managed to grow it. So when I started, there was something like 30 float centers in the country and now there's like 500 in four years. So um, that's, that's how I got into it. Wow. Yeah. It, what was that like, the out-of-body experience? I mean, it sounded like you're out of your body, you see, what is that like? What was that world like? Right. So the, 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 the practice of astral projection is, is one of, one of I, I, although I don't spend enough time on it, um, it's, I think it's the most powerful spiritual practice. Astral projection. Astral what projection. What is astral projection? Astral projection is like um, um, you, you know, you've seen a picture on the internet of somebody laying in their bed and their body is glowing six inches ahead of them. Or in some cases, in some of the images you see, it's projected 10 feet above them and attached by a silver cord in the back of your head. So the silver cord, in the back of your head attaches to your soma, your body. So your psychosoma is that light body, and then, um, but still, you know, still looks like you. And then there's another level of of ascension, which is you're just a glowing orb ball of light. And so what my experience was at that time was this sort of like it was a dream. It felt like a dream. Like I must be sleeping, but holy crap, I'm able to look at all of the details in this guy's basement, like yoga mats. And towels and his kids toys I'm looking at the tank I'm looking at myself sort of through the tank because the physical barriers that we abide by um, laws of physics don't apply in the astral world and so this this out-of-body experience this projection 
I was able to see through the tank to myself lying there naked. I saw all the things that were going around and I was in, in there, I was somehow able to relax into it, sort of accept it, notice it, but not be, not like either freak out or go, you know, like woohoo, because then that snaps you out of it and you shoot back to your body. So the theory is, and there is a really amazing book called um, Demystifying the Out-of-Body Experience by Luis Monero. Big book, explains what, what, they, what research thinks this is, um, where you can go with it, infinite dimensions, life cycles, reincarnation, spirit world, astral beings, your spirit guides, habits. Um, so I was able to sort of look, look at that experience in it as this is, this is real, this is not a dream. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making this up because I, I've never had a dream where I'm in the room looking at stuff in detail. And it lasted probably 15 to 30 seconds and I remember it really lucidly and then I pop back in my body and shortly after I pop back in my body, I, at least it felt like 15 to 30 seconds, it may have been much longer. But then I pop back in my body and then the music came on, my float was over and it changed, changed me big time. Wow. Yeah. That moment where you're in your body and you're leaving the body. You mentioned that there's this acceptance that happens or that moment where you can't freak out, try yeah. not to freak out. What, what do you do? Do you have a practice of how to just let that go? It's breathing. Um, it really, it's breathing and it's non-judgment. You know, like I was, I was really disciplined with my meditation. I was doing, you know, 20 minutes twice a day, every day during this period, which is why I, you know, everything happens for a reason. And I think that I was, I was preparing for this experience because that was, this was going to be part of my path. And I was in my mindfulness meditation. I had learned to not get too excited about stuff that happens. A cool reverie that you have, an image, you know, um, connection with a gray alien, um, a flower blossoming. It's just, it's just, you just observe it, you allow it, you don't make connections about it, make judgments of it, get too excited about it, and then you just sort of let it be, and then whatever mm -hmm. comes in next, it's that same process. So in that moment, I was really disciplined to just be like, okay, this is a thing. I'm gonna not judge it. I'm just gonna let it happen, and. I'm gonna remember to breathe. I'm gonna remember to breathe. I'm gonna breathe. And then I sort of whoop, fell into it. And since then, that's sort of been my, you know, in lucid dreaming, there's like, do you know much about lucid dreaming? Yeah. So like, you look at your hands, you know, or you look at a clock, and if the numbers don't look like numbers on the clock in your microwave, if you're dreaming. Sort of like in, in the, the movie Inception. Exactly. Right. They have uh, charms. Right. Things to keep them grounded, or was it the top? If the top kept spinning, right. it didn't fall over. You're, you're in, in a dream state. You're in a dream state. So it's in, in in this sense, and there's other ways. So there, I don't. So there's lots of different ways. So you have to raise your level of vibration. So you have to like. Now my astral practice is to like raise my level of vibration, and you know this a conversation like this here in this coffee shop with microphones helps that because our we're we're in a flow state. You and I right now. Uh, we're both vibrating. Our level of, vib of vibration makes us lighter, so that makes it easier for your psychosoma to detach from your 
physical, from your physical body, from your soma, the, it, apparently we all detach when we sleep. Some of us it's an inch, some of us it's six inches. Dogs attach, detach, animals, whatever. They all, when they sleep, they, they sort of leave their body. And when you are, this is specifically when you're sleeping, it's not lucid dreaming. But in this case, I didn't really have like a, I have before, you hear like a popping sound sometimes, mm. or like a whoosh, or like a falling sound, like you're falling down a well. Um, you know, obviously really easy to do in a float tank because the environment is perfect for that. Um, and in that moment, when I first detached, it wasn't like, oh, here I am. It was just like, oh, I'm kind of finding myself like floating up above myself, looking down. So there wasn't like a really quick moment, but it was like, okay, now I'm here. I just got to breathe. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I really relate to this. I, I get to that point when I'm sleeping. So I've experienced sleep paralysis a number of times. Yeah. And I remember the first time I had sleep paralysis, my eyes open my body isn't waking up, completely paralyzed, can't open my mouth. And I remember shifting my eyes and looking out the doorway in the room and just having this sense of terror. Sure. I'm paralyzed, I can't move, and there's this dark presence that feels like it's coming into the room to get me and there's nothing I can do about it. Hmm. The second time I had sleep paralysis, much more vivid. Okay, I'm here again. And one of those little beings shows up what people would commonly describe as a gray alien sit standing staring at me in my room i'm like what the fuck is this yeah terrified sure screaming of course my mouth doesn't open it sounds more like a muffled scream like mm, mm, and, and i still have these things happen so the third time so that being just showed up and then my mom came running in the room and just her she touched me and i snap out of it full consciousness holy crap that just happened that was just a dream state, hallucinate, hypnopompic uh, hallucination. Hypnagogic. Hi hypnagogic. Yeah. I think there's there's two. Is there right? another one? There's one upon. Um, there's one at the onset of sleep, and then the other hallucinations happen. Got it. Right before Hypnagogic is is the first one. Cool. Got so it. there's hypnopompic and hypnagogic, and what? Got yeah. So the third time I was going through this practice because sleep paralysis was happening, and these hallucinations were becoming more and more vivid to the point where touch, I was I woke up one time and this little being is standing on top of my chest and grabbing my arm wow. and, and making its, its hand was going up to my neck to choke me out. Of course, I'm paralyzed. This is very real, hyper real, where I'm in between the dream and waking world. And that, that set me off on this meditation. How can I just let go of this fear when I'm in this this in-between world state. I'm in between yeah. dreaming and in between awakening and they're both real as hell. How can I come to terms with that, lose the fear, become mindful, yeah. and kick this alien's ass? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so the last, the very last time I hallucinate, and it also gave me another perspective on people who claim to have been abducted by aliens. And these alien abduction stories that I watched as a kid on like sci-fi sure. or History Channel or whatever station it would be. Unsolved Mysteries. Unsolved Mysteries on alien abductions. And there was a common thread between all the alien abduction stories. These people would wake up, they're paralyzed, they, send, they have fear. And I could relate to every piece of their story, including the being, 
until they leave their room and go to a ship, and then those other things happen. Yeah. So the very last time, go through this mindfulness practice. So what you're talking about, how just how to accept and be okay with being in that state. Right. Because I was freaking out. That's I not mean, easy to do. <laughs> and the la- the very last time I remember, there was this there was this moment. This the being is there again, and then I'm just like I have this fuck you moment. This acceptance moment. It was more peaceful than that. But I I left. I got out of my body, left my physical body, went full on. Went in my closet, grabbed it. This being shrunk as I went towards it. Wow. I grabbed it, put it in my hand, snapped its spine. I remember my, in my hand. I remember just sort of killed this being i left my body it shrank in size until i kill it snap its spine in my hands and i still i remember feeling that snap so like that pop that you mentioned whoa and never ever since that moment never again has it happened i've never heard anything like that before in my whole life uh and i've and i've left my body and i've struggled with that That this exact moment of leaving to the point where I, i get there and it just feels so stuck in between it's the story of a lot of my earlier life stuck in between what do i do this or that this or that and stuck in the middle yeah and there's just always been this strong pull and sleep state to pull me into this other world mm. the hardest part has been letting go going with it letting it happen right and the times when i have it's been tremendous tremendous amounts of growth from it right so really <laughs> we're we're on the same page then. yeah oh, i hear you man <laughs> yeah, figures <laughs> figures yeah i you should you should give a give a look at that book um because the sleep paralysis you know is sort of an indicator that you're you're projecting it, next time it happens feel back for the silver cord and see if it's there if you are, if you're having a, uh, if you're having a projection, mm-hmm. if you are, if you are in the astral world, it's always there. Mm. When you die, it gets cut off. So it will never get cut off. Anytime you project, I mean, you could feel it too. You can reach back and feel, and it feels just like a cable, like a like a inch and a half cable, that like sort of the base of you know, sort of the base of your head, and it goes back to your body. You'll know that will be sort of an indicator that you're projecting. Mm. Um, that's a wild story. You snapped that little gray alien's neck. Yeah, in your spine. closet. Spine. Um, I felt I could. I can still feel the snapping of the spine in my hand. It set off a whole another wild dream, but that was the last time I saw it. Last time I dealt with it. Uh, the gray, the like the, the interaction with grays is is a com- very common theme in. Um, in astral projection, it's it's also fairly common in floating. Mm. Um, do you know who Duncan Trussell is? I've heard of him. He has a podcast, yeah, right? The DTFH. I, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he talks about um, an experience he's had in a float tank, um, in which he's um, sort of surrounded by by a group of, of greys. Mm. There's something there. I don't know what it is. There's something to that. Um, I haven't had I haven't had any personal experience with like that sort of a being you know in my meditations or or projections um but yeah i think that ability to just sort of go with it it just sort of powers you empowers you to to take it wherever you want to go right even applied to our practical reality this is a yeah great lesson it's a mindfulness lesson right for the real world yeah 
Yeah, don't get too hung up on stuff. Like, mm-hmm. be, like be okay letting it go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man. Well, that didn't take long to get weird. I <laughs> didn't take long at all. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where do make we go sure, from there? Make sure you're okay, you're okay on time. Where do we go from there? From oh, yeah, sakes. we're cool, man. Yeah, where do we go from there? Yeah, the when I was researching sleep paralysis, because that, that's a trippy part, and really had trouble relating, relaying yeah. that to people. Uh, I gave a talk on it in college in a speech class. Mm-hmm. People were looking at me like I was nuts, but I was like, hey, this is real stuff people yeah. know. It, it, what was fascinating was historically seeing how that, so we're talking about this gray alien figure, and that's what I saw and what a lot of people see in the alien abduction, and bring, brought into question a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Aliens, alien abduction, what do those things mean? And then seeing historically and culturally that figure, that being, was different. So it was a troll or a witch right. or had culturally, it was just different depending on the time yeah, and history. A demigod or, yeah. Yeah, and so today we have aliens right. that, are, that are hype in our culture and just raise a lot more questions. Yeah. for me and just to dive into that world and it just seemed it's like what what is this representing or what what am I in contact with right what part of myself because after killing it <laughs> it uh, you're not making any friends you're not making <laughs> friends with them no the post dream the post dream was I killed this and started a war and then I felt bad because uh, I was the one that started the war um and had to tell other people, like, man, these aliens I did it. smash Sorry. humanity. It was me. It was Sorry, me. guys. Yeah, let's flee to the woods and torches <laughs> and this whole thing. That legitimately was the very lucid dream. Whoa. <laughs> no. I, um, I, I come from the I come from the thought that um, I don't I don't feel like they are internal manifestations. Like I don't I don't feel like we're creating that. I feel like that is some sort of a connection with an archetype um, that is tied to our subconscious. That whether or not we've we love aliens or hate aliens, whether or not we love or hate sort of angelic beings of light, whatever that whatever that thing is, like there are certain archetypes that are really common across cultures, you know. And you can go way back to Egypt and Sumeria and the Dogon and these sort of non. Um, these non-physical beings, well, that's debatable too, I guess. But I, I have a sense that, that we are, when you're totally relaxed, when you're lucid dreaming, when you're projecting, when you're not in a normal, when you're in an altered state of consciousness, you sort of uh, get to peek behind the curtain. You get to see what, what's really going on, like a DMT flash, like that, you're seeing something. And that's something is really common. A lot of people see really similar stuff. Is that what's really going on behind our sort of um, uh, collaborative, accepted reality that we were creating? Uh, I think so. I, I think it is. And when you have a method, whether it's an entheogen, whether it's ayahuasca or DMT or fasting or whatever, like you get to or floating, you get to access, you get to access a, a state of consciousness that transcends physicality. And the what's Terence McKenna say? Um, the universe is not only is is not only 
It's oh geez, good one, Sean. It's it's weirder. It's it's not uh, the universe is not only stranger than we suppose. It's stranger than we can suppose. Mm-hmm. Like we have no idea of the vastness and the, the interdimensionality of, of our consciousness. And f- for me, I think there's nothing more worthwhile. There's nothing more interesting than that. There's just there's just nothing more fascinating than transcending that and, and poking around, and projecting and communing with your guides. You know, um, extracting your spirit animal from from a journey. You know, like have you done any sort of spirit spirit animal? No focused spirit animal adventures you in should... dream states and lucid dream states i've had interactions with animals uh-huh. eagles but not a focused journey there's yeah. there's a there's a book by jeremy narby called um the way of the shaman i think is what it's called mm-hmm. and it he's from uh, he's from the northwest and he sort of specs out mm. the process for doing this. This is based on the coastal Salish, like Northwest Washington, BC, uh, um, Native American tribe, indigenous peoples. And um, a friend of mine who used to work for me at, uh, at Float Seattle is a musician, amazing. His name is uh, Masaru Higasa. And he does journeying. And so he's got, there's a way, there's a drumming pattern. It's a, it's a 20 minute journey and you have to kind of read the book to kind of know how to do this, but it's like you have to have a, a location, a portal into the earth. And in this portal, um, you're not supposed to really talk about what yours is, but I have a portal, I have a thing, a place, a, an actual place that I've been to before that I'm very familiar with that, I, that you just go in. You dip into this, this portal inward. And the first time I did it, um, it was a, uh, there's a way to identify what your animal is. So if you see it three times in three different ways, then it's one of your spirit animals. Mm. So like for me, my, my, tr- my journeys have been pretty similar. I go down this sort of quartz lined cave that goes down into this like underground river. There's a light on one side, there's a light on another side. I have a choice, I either go left or go right. I've gone both ways, I get up, and as I go through, I'm seeing animals, like I see this frog, but then I'm looking around and I'm sort of aware of, are there any other frogs, and and there aren't, so I go up into this like desert mesa, Um, and the first time I did it, um, it was a griffin. And I was not prepared for a griffin (laughs) to be like, hey man, what's up? Like flying around me, so I see it flying above me, and it's like, okay, I I see that that's a griffin, I see it. And then I turn around to kind of take in the scenery, and then I turn around. He's right behind me, and he's just like, like, looking at me, up, like, "What are you doing here?" Not particularly friendly, but like inquisitive, not threatening, but just like, "You're lost, dude. <laughs> you are not." So, and then, and then I turn around and looked again, and then I peek over this mesa, and he's like hovering. He's like, whoo, whoo, like f- hovering, flying. 20 feet down so I'd seen it in three different ways but I wasn't ready for it you let it physically grab it and take it with you back up the portal so you grab a griffin and take it with you yep but I didn't I couldn't I, <laughs> I was not prepared and so mm. I let this griffin be mm. um, the drum came back faster so it's like hey time to come back Sean doom, 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 doom. like shit ah! okay I gotta go the next time I did it, it was a buffalo, or it was a, it was a, uh, it was a buffalo, and 
for sure I saw it like six different times. And I've seen other animals, um, white horses, um, other sorts of things, owls, you know, and everything, all those different archetypes have meaning, you know, wh why, they are, why they are. This, this, uh, this buffalo could not be more clear that this guy was here for me. I grabbed him and pulled him back and now like he's with me and I, you know, talk to him sometimes and sort of listen to, you know, what sort of wisdom. Um, so if that's something you're interested in, like Jeremy Narby, The Way of the Shaman, I think that's what it's called. I'm on it. Yeah. <laughs> and I can drum for you too. Like, um, I, I know how to drum. I know how to do it. I've done it for a couple other people. Um, I don't remember how much success they've had. I don't know that anybody's really extracted, you know, or mm -hmm. brought, brought one back with you, with them, but, um, is there a breathing pattern associated with it as well? No, it's more visualization. I mean, deep breaths are always, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. step one. But um, this is more of uh, more of a visualization and having that portal. The portal is kind of the most important part. Like gotcha. down into the earth. I've tried one shamanic related meditation: drum pattern, breathing pattern, and then there was definitely this portal involved. Mine was sort of like diving into this massive redwood through the roots, nice. through the root system deep in the earth. There's no griffin, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember doing that. It really changed my day. Sure. It was, uh, it was a guided meditation on Insight Timer. Have you heard of the app Insight Timer? No. This is a community-based meditation app. After you're done meditating, you set a timer or do guided meditations that people upload. Oh, cool. Uh, and then you can say thanks for meditating with me. You can see all the people in the world that have meditated with you in that moment. Sweet. Kind of cool. That's very cool. Social meditation. Nice. But there's a 30-minute guided shamanic meditation on there. Did that really sort of effed my day Did uh, it? In, in terms of just going on this journey surrounded by flames. It was all about clearing uh, any sort of negative self-talk or clearing anything that doesn't serve me anymore mm -hmm. was the theme of it in meeting your guides and a power animal. For me, it was a lion circling this flame waiting come through the just... Get shed all that cowardly lion bullcrap and become this badass lion that you are, yeah. Timo. Nice. And that was a day of reflection. Yeah. Uh, almost couldn't even function. What were you doing that day? What was your day like after that? Uh, it just, uh, I, I had a, I don't, I don't even remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Matter. I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, great question. I don't remember. I just yeah. remember reflecting. It's in this sort of somber post meditation. Zen state. Yeah. Of, wow, I can't believe that visualization just happened. Those like, those sorts of experiences really shape who we are, mm -hmm. and there's there's such a gigantic need for it mm -hmm. now. We're so attached to our phones and alerts and email. Like email is now like a, the the most stressful thing that people deal with. Like you gotta check it. You gotta stay on mm -hmm. top of it. You gotta mm -hmm. have a zero unread. Uh, whatever like get to zero inbox zero uh, that's it's so it's it's we we live in a world that is so like we glorify stress we glorify work and we glorify all these these things that don't serve us they don't they're not they're they're not they're not helping us grow and evolve they're helping us buy stuff no. they're helping us buy stuff and stay concerned with stuff that doesn't matter and so again like shamanic work projecting, lucid dreaming, um, entheogens, psychedelics, floating, meditation, like a disciplined use of cannabis. Like those, those things are not only what I think are the most inf interesting things we can be con concerned ourselves with, but 
I think the most important practices that 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 the world needs right now. Mm. Yeah, the it seems that the more we get in touch with what we were talking about in the beginning, getting in touch with our dark side, so to speak, the more we are able to dive into that world, not necessarily dark, evil world, but those things will exist for each one. We all have our demons, I think, that we need to face. Yeah. Uh, some more than others. Yeah. But the more we're able to dive in that and get past that initial shell of, for me, it was that killing that alien so I could dive a little bit deeper and stay yeah. with it longer um, through the use of psychedelics, meditation, etc. We'll find maybe that we have more in common, and then we have a lot more to a, a lot more exploring to do. Yeah. Uh, it, I wanted to bring up earlier the so we were talking about aliens, and it almost seems like the, the deeper we go into that world, the deeper or the more stories I hear from the other side, so to speak, like ayahuasca experiences. Yeah. Where there seems to be this common theme of people seeing serpents or dragons yeah. that that claim to be the, the rulers of the world. And right. I remember in a, uh, my own ayahuasca experience, I didn't have the chance to meet this these <laughs> serpents, but I hear it very frequently. Yeah. People meet dragons. And to think about those common uh, archetypes, or to think about dragons, and then, and then all of a sudden to see them in the real, in our practical, grounded, right. physical reality. So yeah, what is it really about dragons? What is it about aliens? Where are these things coming from? Right. And to hear people have common experiences using the, the common thread being, let's say in this case, ayahuasca. Yeah. What is it about that? It seems we have, we have a lot of exploring to do. Yeah. So Beck, I guess for the uh, <laughs> a practical sense of like step one, step two, step three, for me it's been recently my dreams getting to a place where you can be more comfortable dreaming whether it's in this dream world we're talking about or coming up with awesome business ideas and, and you know, more importantly executing on yeah. ideas uh, it's been a practice of as simple as, as as simply put as I can of developing habits to help me sleep better sure and what that's looked like is recently is diet you know no dairy and then keeping caffeine in the morning uh, not eating things that have my stomach gargling at night while I'm sleeping, to meditation, no alcohol. My dreams have been over the past, really the last two weeks, I'm on day like 43 or something like wow, that. Wow, nice. Uh, like a dream journal, like you're tracking? tracking uh, I do. I yeah. write them as soon as I wake up. I write, Ariana Huffington just wrote a dream or a sleep book <laughs> and on the yeah, importance of dreaming. That. I'm like, wow, okay pretty mainstream right but the the importance of of sleep a and then what what's happening while sleeping right. also important and how to get good sleep right. very important i think we're gonna see we're gonna see a lot of changes it's meditation I, and, for sure and you're on the edge of all of these things uh flotation meditation I try <laughs> astral you know? projection yeah i try i i, um, I uh yeah yeah i mean there's there's uh there's Again, like going back to basics, grounding ourselves, gotta get sleep. You know, um, there's there's a there's there's industry. There's there's uh, you can capitalize on that. You know, like she wrote a book, Ariane Huffington. Who would have ever thought she would write a sleep book? 
Like, how re- how irrelevant is it that Ariana Huffington is telling me how to sleep? Well, she's prolific. Like, she generates, I mean, whatever. Regardless of what you think about exactly. her, what she's saying, she's She gets prolific. a lot of stuff done. Yeah. She gets a lot of stuff done. She's mm-hmm. a big, you know, she's a mover and shaker. She gets a lot of, she, she does stuff. And um, to talk, you know, to write a book about it, you know, I've got my, I've got my little sleep hacks, um, cold showers, you mm. know, uh, flux on your computer at night mm-hmm. before you mess around, you know, like no, no EMFs in your bedroom, um, blackout curtains, you know, we do white, I do white noise for my kids when they, when they take naps, not so much when they sleep cause I don't want them like hooked on it, but, um, yeah, I, we have to find antidotes to our heightened level of stress that we just and anxiety that we just sort of accept now. We're supposed to be stressed out, is what people think. We're supposed to be running around and, and texting while we're driving, and and that it's going to catch up with us. You know, it's it already is. You know, it's it's harming the planet. It's um, it's 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 detaching us from what we what's really important which is to help one another and to grow evolve as a as a human species and the more we're connected to shit that doesn't matter um the more detached we come from 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 one another Mm. you got to be mindful you got to get good sleep you gotta you gotta take care of yourself you know you gotta start by changing your changing yourself before you can make change in other people and who knows what I'm gonna be doing in five years? Maybe it's more float centers. Maybe it's, um, you know, maybe I'll write a, I don't know. Maybe I'm actually starting on a book now. Yeah, so I'm starting on a book now. But, um, you know, like I really like podcasts. You know, I, I listen. There's about a dozen or so that I listen to on a regular, really regular basis. You know, maybe there's something there. But um, I, I think it's the most interesting stuff. It's the most interesting content. And to know that we, you know, are brothers in in that I knew I knew from the second I met you that, that we would have a lot in common and we do of course I, I, sleeping tripping gray aliens you know <laughs> strange strange experiences like yeah that that's that's the good stuff that's the most interesting stuff for me I'm right there with you man yeah yeah it's more than top 40 <laughs> yeah right right awesome yeah um, yeah. Trying to think if there's anything. I mean, we covered. <laughs> we went deep. Man. We went all over the place. Spirit animals <laughs> included. Shamanic journeys. Yeah, we could do. We could probably go for another six hours. Goodness, I know, I know. Um, I was thinking of like just to, maybe we could end it in real practical stuff for. For the Sean, the pre-float Sean, thinking back to my, I always think back to my 18-year-old, 17, 18-year-old self, mm-hmm. that guy that I was going out, getting hammered, watching sports, and just in that cycle of life. Yeah. Even Facebook has a great, Facebook search is powerful. Yeah. And so typing in my post from insert year mm-hmm. is a fun way because I've been I've been using Facebook now for 11 years to see what my voice was like 11 years ago right. even three years ago right. for anybody I recommend doing that to see if you've grown if, right. are you doing the same thing uh, if you're on your if you're on your path you know good for you but what what advice or what what steps would you 
offer to the you before floating before or to anyone who's stuck in sort of this corporate pattern or in living in the screen world and so steps to unplug yeah three easy steps or Sean's easy steps to unplug I think first and foremost you have to be willing to take a risk you have to be willing to 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 be bold and make bold moves it's it's so easy to get used to your lifestyle and used to your income and how you do things and beers you drink and places you eat you know it's 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 easy to get stuck in momentum and so we have to be willing we have to really take a hard look at what what do i really want do i really want do i want to do i want to wake up at 40 commuting to my job and and living my life in this way if that if if the answer is yes because i want a big house because i want cars because i want stability cool that's fine if that's your path great but don't complain about it because you chose it. You made the decisions to stay or do or be where you are and that's the way that your path goes. If you're unhappy, you have to be bold enough to make, to make a change in your life, big changes. And for me, it was without a safety net. I was before I had kids, but I was ready to really shake it up. I was either going to Asia to teach English or I was gonna start a business. And I, had, I took zero business classes ever. I have zero formal business training uh, education. So I think A, you've gotta be willing to take a risk. If you're unhappy where you are, you have to just jump for it. B, in order to find what that thing is, in order to find what you, what you wanna do with your life, what your, what your thing is, where your path is, you have to, you have to quiet your environment. It's not gonna come to you while you're watching Narcos. Your, your life path is not gonna come to you while you're watching the NBA Finals. It's just not, or playing Halo, or it's just not. It's not gonna come to you there. You need to go outside, you need to go hiking, you need to meditate, you need to float, you need to go take a trip. You need to get out of your normal daily routine and mental patterns to, to, to let that stuff in. It's there for you, you just have to allow it in. And then thirdly, you gotta take care of your physical body. I think that, that you know, we started talking about you know, the coffee we drink and, and um, the food that we eat. I think it's really important to get plenty of sleep. I think you have to exercise and you have to eat in a way that's, that's suited for you. You know, if you're, if, you're, if you're constantly inflamed and you're breaking out, it's the food that you eat. Your food is your medicine. You have to watch what you're putting in your body and how much you exercise like we, we have to, we've got, i i have to i have to work out like i did um uh i don't do it every day but nearly i did 200 hindu full hindu squats this morning and um some ab work on a swiss ball while junior watched cartoons um i have to have that or else my like whole system is out of whack for the day. So, what did I say? Number one is be willing to take a risk. B is if you want to make a change in your life, um, you have to you have to change your environment and the way that you perceive things in order to let your true essence and to let your path in. And C, um, take care of your body. Beautiful man. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. You are an inspirational motivator. 
and the work that you're doing, man, the world needs more Sean's. I appreciate that. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm excited to come back on episode episode 350. Yeah, you know? yeah, and let's yeah let's keep keep the conversation going, man. Yeah. And this is the last question I'll ask. Okay. Most difficult. How can people find you? Yeah. Online or wherever it is. Yeah. So my so uh, I'm on Instagram. It's Sean McCormick Life Coach. Um, SeanMcCormick.org. On Twitter, I'm Sean Evolver, S-E-A-N-Y-V-O-L-V-E-R, Sean Evolver. Um, Facebook, if, if you are interested in coaching, um, seanmccormick.org slash contact is the, is the best way to get a hold of me. And um, read the blog and see if you jive with it. It's good stuff. Thanks. All right, brother. Right on, Thank man. you. You bet. Before you head off today, I wanted to reiterate a message from Sean that was in that episode. In his own words, if you're unhappy, you have to be bold enough to make a change in your life. And he offered three ways of doing this. Be willing to take a risk, quiet your environment, and take care of your physical body. Now, when we're talking about being willing to take a risk, being bold to make bold moves, just remember, it's easy to get stuck in the momentum. It's easy to get caught in the hamster wheel. And it's just easy to continue doing something that's familiar to us. Because what's unfamiliar is oftentimes scary. You have to be willing to take a hard look at what you want. You have to be willing to do something you've never done before to get something you've never had before. And you've heard that before. When you quiet your environment, we're also talking about quieting your mind. Maybe it's visiting Float Seattle or a sensory deprivation therapy clinic near you. Maybe it's meditating. Maybe it's just taking time out of your day to take three breaths. I meet people all the time who have not even taken a breath in their day. Or maybe you can ask yourself, when is the last time I took a deep breath? And then actually do it. And when you take care of your physical body, we're talking about eating, sleeping right. Because food is medicine. Not only is food medicine, but so are the people around us. So are the things that we place around us. So is our lighting. So is every single piece of our environment. These are all pieces of data that our bodies and our minds absorb. So be mindful of what's around you. And be mindful of what's in you. And then have the willingness and the boldness to make big moves. So with that, go on out there and do it, baby. And I'll see you back on the next way in.